It's absolutely terrifying to me on every level, like the fear of falling and the fear of falling off the ski lift and the fear of like these human grenades that come by you on the ski slopes. Like people will go down in an explosion of ski poles and skis and snow and it's terrifying. So I think that I just was carrying so much of this like tension in my shoulders of terror and um, I think I'm just affected by it still. Mm. You know, it's weird. It's like I was just have been analyzing it this morning of like, what the fuck? Because I'm physically fit, but like I'm just exhausted and super tight in my shoulders, which snowboarding is not even a shoulder sport. But I think I just was like. Well, I think we should just we should just say, hey, welcome to the women your mother warns you about. The show Hello. just started as, before it started because Rachel Pitts is here. And this is just the, how the style is when the two of us are together. Um, this show is sponsored by Sales Gravy. Welcome back, Rachel. Wore my mean, Sales Gravy shirt. Not your Sales Gravy shirt. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm like, God, this is really good banter. Um, I know we've been <laughs> we talking. We always have good banter. Yeah, we've been talking about this in our Marco Polo, which was like kind of spurred this idea of talking about like, the fear of falling and the fear of failure. And I know I talk a lot about failure and I, um, for anybody who's listening to this, if you, you may have heard me talk about this with Jeff Bajoric, um, recently because after our Marco Polo, Rachel, about the fear of failure, um, I had an aha in it and I shared that with Jeff. So listeners, you may hear this again, Uh, but real fast, like my, my whole aha was, oh, I mean, I still have fear of failure. I'm human. But because of improv, I've been wired for failure because we're rewarded on stage for failing, which I think is really um, counterintuitive for any performer because most performers on stage are trying to perfect what they're doing. And improvisers are like, I fail, you laugh, I win. Mm, Yeah. That was my big aha. It's so... um and it, funnily enough, I um, am starting like the the beginning brainstorming of the next book, <laughs> which I'm going to take my time on called Fear of the Fall. And like there's a million mm-hmm. books about failure and falling. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, right now in my life, there's this perspective of I've been really working through the fear of falling in my handstand work. That's what's holding me back. Um, mm. the fear of falling like onto the snow slopes and uh, like, especially, I don't think that many people have the fear that I have of the ski lift, but I am freaking terrified. Like I am terrified up there. I think I actually, I think a lot of people have a fear of the lift and that's why they don't do those things. That's why I don't do those things. I can't get on the lift, let alone do anything else. It's so scary. It's so high. Like you're not really... I, I went up once, once I went up like on my own and I was with this, um, like in a place like Park City where we just went, it's very busy. And so they don't, they'll, they'll just like slap you in with a whole bunch of other people just to get, you know, the max amount of people on the lift. So I went up this one time with these people, didn't know them. I was trying to like be cool <laughs> and they didn't pull the, the bar down. Like there's a safety bar you pull down as you go up. And like some people just don't pull it down because it's like, I don't know, they didn't pull it down. Thank God I was sitting on the end so I could sort of wrap my arm around the, the, the side and like hold on in sheer terror. 
and like trying to compo- be composed. Um, and like right before we got off, I was like, I just want to let you guys know that I'm a beginner and I'm going to concentrate on, you know, not falling down when we get off the lift because that's also terrifying. And they're like, and the girl next to me is like, oh my God, I'm a beginner too. And I'm like, well, why did you pull the fucking bar down? Like, but like, it's, it, it's really, really high up. Like, and I just, it's, uh, oh, it's terrifying. I mean, I was trying all weekend or all week while we were there to like lean into my fear, which is one thing that I'm trying to do with fear, like a fear of falling in my handstands and the fear of like lean into it. Because, you know, all the million books like uh, John Maxwell's like failing forward and, you know, all this stuff like don't you have failures part of the process. But I mean, embrace failure, embrace the same. Like all of this stuff we logically know. But when it comes like right down to it, we still don't want to fall on our face figuratively or literally in front of people. Yeah, because it's because something bad might happen. Yeah, I might die. Right. I had to literally remind myself. I I literally remind myself a lot. And it's actually in my like current directive affirmation. You will not die (laughs) if you fall out of a handstand because it's like literally the what our minds project. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. even just failure in business, as we discussed on the last Mm -hmm. podcast, I, you know, the perception of my failure in my dance studio business, like the fear is like, Everyone's going to reject me. I'm going to be kicked out of the tribe. Everyone's going to hate me. Every I'm not going to have any money. Then I'm going to starve to death and I'm going to die. But it's mm-hmm. like just, mm-hmm. it's not even, there's no truth to it, but it's what we do. And that's why we get stuck in status quo. I think so many of us get stuck there that we don't elevate because that risk might kill us. Or think about in your own jobs, um, you don't take you don't take risks. I see people not take risks because the cause and effect like you might have a boss who is going to reprimand you or tell you no or tell you the idea sucks or you if you hear that enough you're not going to take the risks how do we help people get past that i'm asking for a friend (laughs) (laughs) well the i think the key what i have found in the in um my research and reading and own personal thing is the key is action. <laughs> the key is what? I'm sorry. I was just hack. I was just coughing on She's you. She's just coughing up a hairball. Yeah. The key is action because when we get caught up in our head, that's where we're trapped in this projection of what we fear will happen. And the key is just, just like, for example, you're a salesperson. You're on, you're looking at your prospecting list. This name comes up that's like a really powerful, influential person that you'd really like to acquire as a client. And you're afraid to call them because what if you fuck up? What if you say the wrong thing? What if they tell you no? What if, you know, what if you don't, what if you like say something stupid? And it's like, instead of that, you just, just make the call. Like you just, just dial the number and, and use your, your framework. That's it. But we get so, I've done it a million times. Like, I better not call this person. They're just not going to blah, blah, blah. Like they're whatever story I tell myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the fear. I, I've told you this. It's the fear of what if they say yes? Oh, <laughs> and sh- then you're like, uh, uh, oh, uh, that'll be $15,000, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Inside joke. I talk about this with the whole 
yes and versus yes but scenario, right? When I ask people, I'm like, why do you think, why do you think we yes but? Why do we yes but people? Like it's a, it's, we're conditioned for it. We're wired for it. We do it. Um, in that yes but, like we want to say yes and appear to be supportive and positive. The but means now I got it. I'm saying but because if I don't say but, now I'm going to have some sort of responsibility to be part of this. I think about it. We should, da 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 da. Yeah. But, right? My inside voice is like, I don't got time for that. But we don't got money for it. Like it's a, it's a new responsibility to put on someone. So sometimes I think there is a fear of getting a yes versus a no. I don't know. That's just my crazy head. Mm-hmm. You know, the yes and concept, I learned it a long time ago from Gina and Side note, highly recommend anytime that Gina has a um, yes and workshop because I literally will stop myself if I feel a butt coming on. Uh, and that goes for even communicating with my own children or my husband. If I like I'll stop myself because and, and Gina, of course, can explain this one more time. Like when you're when you use but. It's like contradicting rather than mm-hmm. it's contradicting what the other person is is expressing rather than, you know, allowing them whatever it is. And it's not necessarily like if I'm having a conversation with my child and and they're like, well, I, I just don't this is stupid. I don't want to do this work. I'm like, yes. And rather than yes, but you have to do it. Yes, and we still have to do it because then it's like acknowledging their viewpoint. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that I have to agree with it. Mm-hmm. It's just that I it's it, it. there's like so many subtleties of the human yeah. psyche that when you actually validate the other person, they're going to be more amenable to whatever it is you're trying to sell them. So to speak. Well, again, our brain is wired even with certain words. We talk about this a lot of, you know phrases that will trigger people in the sales arena like you know circling back following up touching in checking in yes but right like those words trigger when you hear them um you know your amygdala goes wild so we have to think about you know words matter words matter and to me a but is a rebuttal like i just picked up on that in the last couple of years, I'm like, oh, but rebuttal. This, you're, you're, it's a rebuttal. Yes, but no. So let's talk totally. about you you falling down the the hill. I have a fear. That's what I called it. Like, oh, you fell down. Did you fall down the hill? I have a fear of like heights in general. Like I can't go over certain bridges without breaking out into a cold sweat because I feel like the car might veer off the bridge. I can't go off over any bridge without feeling that like the one and down in charleston oh, yeah i was oh just gonna God. say that bridge in charleston i literally white knuckle the steering wheel i get to the center right of the bridge and i'm like you could do it 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 till i like get over the hum i swear i'm the same and i think um i saw mel robbins on instagram had a, a post about this recently about she's got a fear the same fear of bridges i'm like that you're like me 
Um, I literally, my tactic is I just focus on the lines of the road and yeah. just keep it, keep it between the lines, keep it between the lines. And mm. like whoever's right, Roxy and Felix riding with me will be like, look at that, look over there. And I'm like, Mm-mm. between the lines. And it's so terrifying. I don't even know because it's so illogical, but I feel the same way that I'm afraid something's going to happen and the car is going off this fucking bridge, man. Um, I like that phrase. Keep it between the lines. I like that phrase. I mean, let's think about this and how do we apply this in what we're doing in our lives personally and professionally. Um, you, you've said this in the past, right? It's like, take care of your side of the street. Um, stay in your lane. Keep it between the lines, right? Like, so when we're having this fear of failing or falling, isn't it funny? Failing and falling are almost the same spelling, right? When we hear that, you know, if we stay in our lane or stay between the lines, it's about focus. Mm-hmm. It is about a focus on something and staying in that focus. I know that you do a lot with mental management, mindfulness. I mean, what is your perspective on the focus? How do we focus more? Well, if you think about focus, it is basically when you're focusing in on a certain point, you are trying to make the focus smaller, like to just one thing. And that's what that's what gets us veering off off out of our lane is, for example, in this snowboarding situation. So what I figured out and in reflecting on it. I just had to focus on my instructor. I told him, I'm just going to do follow the leader. I'm going to watch you just completely pr- pr- repeat yourself. Don't feel like that you're you're annoying me. Just repeat exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to focus on you and I'm not going to look at anything else. And that was the best thing I could possibly do. Focus on him, follow in his trail, do exactly what he's doing. Keep the blinders on to all these human grenades coming, <sighs> coming down the hill coming by me this falling down all this stuff and it's exactly what our brain does when we're trying to focus on this task let's say sales calls um and these distracting thoughts come out of the blue and it's like oh you can't do this you're not worthy oh you're gonna mess up this person is this person's too important oh that last call sucked you suck oh i'm hungry Oh, it's almost time for this and that like all of these distracting thoughts that have nothing to do with the task and that's what, you know, what athletes and high, high performing salespeople and high performing anything, that's what they could do. Like imagine Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was incredibly focused always in the game. I imagine he still is in whatever he's doing. We're talking every time he gets his hands on the ball, there's a thousand flashbulbs going off. There's screaming mm. crowds. Mm. There's all these expectations there's his own internal dialogue, which I imagine he pretty much had none because that's what I've found in in studying these high-performing athletes is when you're really in the zone, there's actually nothing going on in your head. You're mm. just taking action. And anybody can th- really think about it when you've really been in the flow. If someone was, uh, was to say, well, what were you thinking about when this happened? You're like, mm, uh, uh, nothing. And that's where you want to get. And that's what we talk about in mental management is the process 
of of creating the ideal thing to think about before, during and after a task. And the thing to think about before a task is you want to think of the optimal positive thing that's going to get you like when you're thinking you're in your conscious mind, right? So you have to control what you're thinking about before you execute a task. But what you want it to be is something positive rather than negative. And you can learn to control this so that when you slip into the task, you slide into the subconscious and then your subconscious is where you aren't thinking. It's your subconscious taking control. It's what you've practiced a million times. And you should just like let the let the action happen. And then after the task, you can also control what you think about, whether it's positive or negative. And a lot of people, this is what we do, right? All of us, including me, even though I'm highly trained in what I should and shouldn't do. After you do something, you're like, oh, that sucked, right? <laughs> so if we, you know, what you think about, talk about and write about increases the probability of that happening again. So if you tell yourself right after that, this is what we call reload in mental management. Um, it's the most important thing. And it's the thing that people are the 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 least likely to focus on. And that is what you say to yourself or say to others after you complete something. If you say that you sucked, you're going to suck again. Ooh. If you if you Ooh. so. So what we teach in mental management is there's only three options. There's great. That was fucking awesome. Good. It's pretty good. Or needs work because needs work. It immediately shifts you to, okay, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. And here's how I'd like it to go the next time. And you really quickly figure out what it should have been like, and then you let it go. But what happens is, especially um, in mental management, um, in the book With Winning in Mind, that's the main book of mental management, um, it, it uses golf as an example. And nine times out of 10, if you ask a golfer how they how their game, how they're, you know, how they played today, they'll be like, oh, my God, I suck so bad. Even if it's like you played a perfect round, but you screwed up one shot. That's the one that most of the time people focus on rather than, you know, focusing on the positive. And it's just human nature. But you can you can train yourself against mm. it, but it's just it takes reps. Yeah, that is really that's really interesting. The the before and the after. Mm -hmm. I think I struggle more with the thoughts before, mm -hmm. right? Leading up to it. The thoughts after I seem to be better with that because because it's done and it's it, it's it's now history. And I don't really dwell on it too much, but I like the like the needs work part. Um mm -hmm. I have had those moments where I'm like, eh, that could have been better. Right. But I don't think I don't think I ever have the mindset of that sucked because I think to your point, if if I were saying that in my head, it would be a struggle to get to the next thing that I'm doing along those lines. Right. It's, it's if you before. think about it, if you think about it, it really when you're when you're logical about your perspective on things. It either is great, good, or needs work. It never is really suck because the what we perceive as that sucked is usually just a, a stepping stone on the journey. You know, you you kind of have to. That's the whole thing about failure is part of success. You have to figure out what doesn't work so you can figure out 
what does. And then once you figure out what does work, then you have to focus on repeating that all the time. Like, ooh, this yeah. is working. And yeah. don't change it. Just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it right and doing it and doing, doing it and it, doing, doing it right. It right. <laughs> but like, that's the thing that happens is people, when you figure out what works, stop tweaking it. Just practice it. That's a, that's a, that's such a good point because I, I was going to raise that next question. What happens when you're like, okay, that was fucking great. And then this is where I think people mess up. Then they start to dissect it. They do it again and it's not as great because they messed with it versus practiced it yeah so especially in well sports and sales is the same as far as i'm concerned if you figure out a framework or i.e a script that works don't mess with it just use it just keep using it and and because when you find out what works you just have to do what works for a while and then naturally you're going to see that perhaps there's a little tweak. But like you said, Gina, absolutely. If people, if you continuously tweak something, then it just never, it's still like blurry and vague. Yeah. You know, rather than like, this is what it is. Let me do this for a hundred reps. And then, you know, maybe we'll change it. We talk in mental management in terms of sport, um, like in seasons. So like right now I'm in, off season or improvement season. So this is the time to to sort of tweak things and mess around Mm -hmm. with things. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're in competition season, like in the high season of whatever competitive thing you're doing, you don't want to change anything because as soon as you change stuff, your brain's like, oh God, what are we doing? You want your brain to be like, oh yeah, we're doing it and doing it and doing it right. We're doing it and doing it and doing it right. (laughs) We're doing it again, 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 because when you do that, that's when your subconscious is really strong and solid and you can get into the zone. Mm-hmm. You can't get into the zone if you're con- that's when your conscious mind is working like, oh, maybe I need to do this. Like you shouldn't be doing that when you're in when you're in the moment. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be tweaking your framework while you're in the middle of a sales call. You should just be going with what it yeah. is. And then you know, after the, at the end of the day, reflect back on what, you know, what worked, what didn't. But I think just doing, trying to make too many tweaks, it's just, it's an error. Yeah. I I can relate to that both in sales and in training, right? You know, we've got an off season, let's say, you know, typically in the, at the holidays or in the summer because people aren't around as much. And so, um, uh, and I've seen it in other industries that I've worked in too, where people start to get complacent because business is not busy and people get lazy. And so they're not at their peak because they don't feel the urgency and then they get, you know, they've, they've, they've become complacent. I see this um, also from a training perspective. If I haven't been, I felt this today prepping for a course, I don't, I I don't teach that many public courses anymore at Sales Gravy. And when I do, I'm like, oh, oh, when did I last teach that? And then I have to go back. I was talking about this with one of my coworkers. And I'm like, you know, we study and we read the books and we watch replays, right? Like an athlete. But when I was in the you know beginning and I was like, thro- like thrown into it and constantly doing it, 
I felt more at my peak because I was constantly doing it. And so you almost feel like you're going down when you're like, wait, I, I'm really good at this. or I'm really experienced at this, but I haven't been doing it. And so it doesn't matter how much experience or how good you are if you're not practicing it. And I, I ran into this too with um, training in person. So when I go out on site and train on person, I've this year, um, I've done it a lot this year. This episode is mid-February that we're doing this. But in six weeks, I've been on the road three or four times already, which is more than usual. So I notice in doing these full-day events, the audience gets really tired. You know, by two o'clock, they're dropping dead, right? They're like, okay. And I feel the real, like they're, they're, we're pushing through, I'm pushing through, they're pushing through, like, Energy is really good. I mean, I'm not saying it was horrible, but what needed improvement, because I get great feedback from my clients and all of these clients this year are repeat clients. I'm like, okay, something, I got to tweak something with this. I'm starting strong, staying strong, and then lunch, and then they're downhill. So this last thing I went out for, I'm like, and the client, his work, he's like, oh, are you going to do what you made them do last year at the beginning or, you know, I do a dance party? I'm like, no, I'm going to totally disrupt them. They're expecting that. I'm not going to do it in the beginning. I'm going to give them a big surprise at the end. And so I totally, I retweaked it. So at the end of their training, they had a highly engaging exercise to do for the last 90 minutes. And so that room was so pumped up at the end of their training and so awake. And the client was like, you were good last year, but you were amazing this year. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I think he might have said, but. Right. And right. So that would be an example of I was I was good last year and I was amazing this year. Because I'm always thinking, how do I do it better? And now that I found that formula, I'm like, oh, this is the formula. You have to end it on such a high energized moment that they are just in high energy. Oh, yeah. And like, so this is an interesting thing that my snowboarding instructor, he was awesome. He was Dan LaBeouf at Park City. Actually, he's moving back to Taos. Um but he was so good. And he, I was so, at the end of the first day um, of, of him teaching me, and he taught me a lot of different stuff than I had learned from my previous instructor the very first time I learned. But I was so, like, I sent Gina a Marco poll. I was literally, like, laying on the floor, hysterically laughing, couldn't even. I was, like, we, we went in a hot tub, and there was these French guys there. I, I was, like... I speak fluent French, but right now I'm not even going to try because I can't think. But Dan, the man, pointed out, like, I'm so exhausted. He said, well, do you know how many calories that a master chess player burns during a match? And I was like, huh, no. He said, it's like something like 4,000. He said, using your brain is burns so much more energy than using your body. Like, and I think that Anybody that's been in a, a day long um, seminar where you're learning all this new stuff and you're like really having these ahas and your brain's working overtime. 
I remember like how exhausting your masterminds were when we were really not. We would do like a little bit of some of that movement stuff that you would do, but mostly it was like sitting and thinking and working out mm-hmm. detail. It's exhausting. I would I would agree, and, and this is why I think the the mental management key thing is so key. I'm I'm more exhausted by thinking than by moving, you know, by physical movement, because there are days where I feel like my brain hurts. I'm like, does it hurt or am I imagining it? It just, it's, it's, it hurts. It's that capacity. Um, and if you're not feeling good, like right now where I'm at, um, and I'm not getting enough rest, my brain is really capacity. And typically I'm up early anyway. So at 5 a.m., you know, and you're up early too, by 5 p.m., my brain's like, cannot compute. Shut down. Done. Shut down. Don't push yourself because you're not going to do good work. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you probably say the same thing about an athlete from a physical point. If, you're, if your body is exhausted, what do you do? Stop. Yeah. You got to stop. You got to rest. Yeah. Yesterday, I, um, I could feel... You know, yesterday was a rest day from the gym, but I had swim practice at night and I was like consciously the whole day, just like, just stay still and read your book or do this work, you know, all these things Um, because I'm such naturally movement oriented person, but I was trying to conserve, um, but it's still, you know, I was still exhausted and all of that culminated in last night, kind of a blowout. But um, going back to that's the reason that the mental management training is so effective is if you really think about it, let's pretend like say the game of golf or, or even an improv situation or whatever, um, or even sales. Like, have you ever noticed that when you're at your best, it sort of feels like you're not trying. You're just like low it. You're in the flow and it's easy, right? That's the, that's, the best that was this last um all day training that i did it was such a flow it was such a flow and felt so easy it didn't feel like work and so when the client came up to me he's like that was amazing he's like do you want me to write something for you you want me to do a video about you i'm like yes 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 yes." (laughs) he's like it was just amazing and while i felt the power of that which drives me like that is a good (laughs) it's a good driver for me at the same time, I felt like effortless. Okay. If you say, if you say so, because it felt effortless. Yeah. And that is when, that's a great example of when you're in your subconscious. You were confident with this client. You were confident with your material. You were relaxed and you were just doing the deal. You were doing it and doing it and doing, doing it right. right. Like, I mean, that's you know? part of the, but, that, but that's mastery, right? When we, I don't believe we ever really master anything, right? We got to do it. What? How many times? It was 10,000 times. It's the pursuit of mastery. And I used to talk about that with my improv performers all the time. I'm like, we are pursuing mastery. We will never perfect it. We have to pursue it. And then tweak as necessary. I want to go back to the thoughts that you have before and the thoughts that you have after. You know, the whole, like, what are you thinking? What do we do in that before? I'm asking for a friend. What do we do in that before? How do we get to that place 
of clearing our mind of the noise. So what we teach in mental management is that you have, there's really good news about this. You can't actually think of a positive and a negative thing at the same time. It's impossible, even though you listeners may think that you're kings and queens of multitasking, you actually cannot think about more than one thing at a time. So therefore, if you can learn to control what you think about and choose what you think about and master what you think about, then you're a lot more likely to have a, um, an outcome of success or a better outcome. Um, and so that's what a mental program is. We call it a mental program. And it's a, it's a, a process leading up to it. And you have to discover for yourself what works for you. Example. What my mental program used to be for, especially when I was competing in bikini, is because I still get nervous, even though I'm a performer, especially in that arena, because it was pretty new for me. Um, right. So there's a whole process of like point of initiation, point of like all point of focus, all this stuff. But basically, when I was about to go on stage, the point of initiation would be walking up the stairs because you like walk up the stairs and you're the next girl in line to go on stage. So walking up the stairs and getting into my position before I walk on stage is my point of initiation starts my mental program. And then right before I would go on stage, I would think consciously think the word photographer. And the reason for that is and it would shift me into my subconscious. The reason for that is that I was too nervous to look at the judges. I mean, you're supposed to look at the judges and make eye contact and all that. But I, I found and find that really hard. And so what I discovered is that the photographer sits right behind the judges. And so in order to not feel nervous about those people looking at me, I would focus on the photographer. He's, he's not judging me, but he needs me to, to perform in a certain way so that he can get good shots. And if I'm focusing on the photographer getting a good shots of me, then I'm going to be subconsciously executing my my pr- uh-huh. task properly. Uh-huh. So that would be so you have to have a conscious thought um, right before you execute the task. That is a a thought that it's not like okay, do this right. Like that's too much pressure. It's generally what we teach and what is most successful for um, people utilizing mental management is it's something that makes you relaxed. It's something that makes you smile. It's something that eases you gently into your subconscious so you're not tense and worried and overthinking and distracted by all the variables, right? So um, there's one, uh, like a lot of the athletes that utilize mental management are golfers because it's a high pressure situation. And so they'll have like their little pre-shot routine. You sometimes see them doing certain things like tap the club on the ground and da-da-da. And then there'll be, it's in the book, you can see sometimes it'll be like a, 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 a song lyric. Sometimes there was one female golfer, she, her phrase was, I love green, green grass. Because it was just like, reminded her how much she loved being outside. It focused her on the grass behind, like the blade of grass behind the ball. Like, so it's, it needs... Because what we generally tend to do, anyone who's not working on their mental game, it'll be like, okay, you can do this. Okay, you're the best. Okay, let's do that. Like, it's something like that. And it's not 
really the most mm. effective thing. It's almost like putting pressure on yourself yeah. at a moment. You're not going, you're not going to execute well if you're putting this pressure on yourself. Yeah. Because you're the only one doing it. Yeah. Oh, I love this because I'm like, like, what would I, what would my thing be? What, what should my thing be? And I like the thing that came to my mind, um, I think because this is part of my persona, it's like I like to be in scenarios where I get people to have fun and be playful while they're learning so that they really embrace it. So I think my thought would be, let, let's play. I get to play now. Yeah. Yeah. Something. I've been working with this young athlete and um, she's she's a very she has a high anxiety level in general. Like she's just one of those anxious people. And she's got this coach. He's really not a, the best leader, but that's what we've got. So we have had to navigate what to do. And her thing was Disney. Like her word was Disney because huh. her family has this thing for Disney. And like this, this young athlete is so pensive. And so serious. But as soon as she says Disney, her face lights up and she's like super happy and relaxed. I love this. This is like the best part of this podcast. So and another um, so I'm really into Tim Grover, who was mm -hmm. Tim Grover was Michael Jordan's coach. Yeah. And he talks about this in one of his books as well is he's looking for he doesn't utilize the actual mental management, but he there's a section in one of his books where he talks about finding that finding that 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 switch that that flips you into the zone and he's like sometimes it's like a song sometimes it's like your family but what he mentions and the same thing i'm getting at is it's it's what makes you like smile and you're like hi and then you're relaxed and you're able to execute the task that you've practiced a million times but if you go into things like oh my god i can't miss the shot it's so important you're pretty much screwed you know what i mean like it You're happens. Not. It happens every time. Mm -hmm. It happens every time. It's like you've put it out to the universe and then it happens. And it does happen too. when I say something positive, you know, that's going to happen and it happens. Yeah. Like, yeah, especially oh, yeah. When you're like, this is how much it costs. They're like, OK. And I was like, oh, that was easy. Right. Instead of like, oh, my God, they might think this is too much. I don't know. Right. Totally. OK, so, OK. So we started this with from Marco Polo conversations, which, by the way, I think Marco Polo should be sponsoring this podcast as well um, in case Marco Polo, you're listening. But we use we use these videos to communicate but, um, with each other. Stay tuned for more to come from that. Uh, I'm so excited about this next project we're working on. Um, just a little teaser for you guys. So you were talking about the like the whole the fear of falling and the fear of failure and um, crossing over the bridges and things like that. So now going back, what's the thing you can say when you're like right before you're about to get off that lift? Snowboarding. Actually, what worked? This will be funny. So what worked for me and it made me laugh was be the trash can. <laughs> what? It's what? So what? let me let me explain. Explain. So so the first day when we started getting off the lift, there was a trash can right in front, like across the way. And so I didn't want to think about the other people getting off the lift. I didn't want to think about um 
all the all the aspects. I just was like, focus on the trash can. Be the trash can. You are the trash can. Well, what happened was the next day they moved the trash can and it wasn't there. And we come up, we come up the lift and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. There's, it's kind of like, so in the movie Dumbo, when he loses the feather, like whoever the, the mouse, whatever he is, he's like, you never needed the feather. And I had to be like my instructor was dying because I'm like, be the trash can, even though it wasn't there. But it did. It worked, though, because I, it's a really it's a really who knows, I, like it, I wish that I could have had a microphone on me the whole time because there's like a viral video of this little kid who's like going snowboarding. He's like, I'm not going to fall. If I do, it's OK. We all fall. We oh, he'll slip. Like, it's so funny. But I was the same. Like, I would be like literally the whole time that be the trash can getting off the lift. And then I'd be like, this nut, belt buckle forward, humping and dumping, like all these phrases Ooh, that I was literally saying I... out loud to myself because it's what helped me. But be the trash can was how I, it made me smile. It made everybody laugh. And it helped me to relax because if you tense up getting off the lift with a snowboard, there's a lot of mechanics to it because your one foot is out and this and that. And there's other people they're flying all over the place. Um, so Be the Trash Can worked for me. Okay. So I've come up with the title of your next book. Be who, the trash moved, who moved your trash can? Who moved your trash can? <laughs> That's the title. Uh-huh. Like, who moved the cheese? Okay. So what about going over the bridge? The Charleston Bridge. Or I have, I, I struggle with this, too, with any overpass. Like, in LA, there's like all these crazy overpasses that are so high that is the same as a bridge. So going over the bridge, what should our what should we say? What would make us smile? So I think it's different for everybody, and it has to be what makes you smile. Um, for me, it's keep it between the lines because it just it doesn't necessarily make me smile, but but it keeps um, you it keeps you focused. It keeps me focused so that I'm not getting because like here's what as well, like in snowboarding and the same thing of going over a bridge. So every time I would bust my butt, it would be when I would like mostly I would <laughs> mostly I get really concerned about other people. I don't want to run into them. But if I would be coming and Dan would do this, he'd like <laughs> when I'd bust my ass, I'd go, how oh, about there was these people? And he's like, and you were looking at the people. So if you're looking at the people, that's where do you think you're going? So instead, you need to look at the open space. Uh, so yeah. if you're all going over the bridge and you're looking at oh, going over the side, yeah, you're increasing the probability that you're going over the side. If you're focusing on keeping it between the lines, then that's where you're going to go. I think, I've, I, I think I have my phrase. I think What's I have phrase? it. Wee! Exactly. Exactly. What was that commercial? And like, that's like the pig's got his head out the window and it's like, I don't know. Maybe I'll do that. Well, and the point of it is, is it's something that works for you. And that's why in mental management, we don't tell you what you're supposed to say to yourself. We just tell you that you need to find that thing that works for you. That makes you smile. That makes you relax. 
that slides you effectively into your subconscious so you can execute the task that you've practiced for. Because, you know, let's face it, we're talking about high-performing athletes, business people, whatever. So that means you are good at what you do or else you wouldn't be where you are, right? So like we psych ourselves out with this distracting thought pattern. Yeah. And if you just learn to control, you can, you can, you'll notice if you begin to notice what your inner chatter is like, um, then you can begin to control it a little bit. Um, and then especially right before the task to control that very last thought. And then you should just be in the flow. I love it. Um, I'm going to add one more thing to it. Here's the other thing I find effective is find a really good tribe or one or two people that, you know, can pump you up. Um, this is one thing, you know, I know I can do that with you. You know, you know that I'll go on to Marco Polo, I'll vent, I'll let it all out um, just so somebody can listen and then get a, get a, you know, get a little cheerleading from you and push me back out there. I do the same thing with David, um, with my husband, because as a man, he wants to fix everything. So if I'm having a negative moment, it truly affects him because he doesn't want to see me that way. And he feels this need to fix it and have some way to get me to a place of happiness. And I said, listen, what I need from you when I'm in this place is to just say, babe, don't forget, you're amazing at what you do. I'm like, because I know I am. But when I'm in the, the, um, the, tr the emotion of it like, that takes over, I'm not listening to myself tell myself that. But someone that I, I love and I trust, when, and they say that, that vote of confidence from them, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a slap in the face to wake me up. And I think that is really powerful to have those people. And you and I have that with each other, that like, when I'm not having the best day, right, I can go to you and you're like, get back out there. You got this. Mm hmm. So a couple things that brought to mind. Number one is. um the power of writing stuff down, you know, you hear this all the time as well, like journal and blah, blah. The, the power of, of the pen is it's, it's almost like diffuses what the chaos of your thoughts. Yeah. So if you're, if you don't have a David cheerleader around yeah. you, then write down what you know about yourself. Don't write or even write down, write down what you're worried about. But then write down what's true, because most of the time Ooh. what we're worried about is not true. Ooh, like, I'm worried I'm not going to do this right. And the truth is you are yeah. good at this and you're going to do yeah. this, right? So, well, but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> look, what about, you know, we've talked about the um, the power of pussy with Regina Thomas Shower and her holy trinity of um, writing down things you're grateful for, but also writing down props, things that you did well. Like that's part of my morning routine, like things I'm grateful for from yesterday, but three things I did well yesterday, even if it's like a good hair day, right? Because we we have a hard time searching. I was like, well, I really didn't do anything great yesterday. You had to have done something great yesterday um, or at least good. Give yourself props for it. 
Yeah, because remember, some for some people, just even getting out of bed is a win, right? I when I was very very sick, I've got Crohn's disease, and when there was a time when I was so sick that sometimes I could hardly get out of bed, and now like that's a win, right? That's a big win for some people. Like the fact that you have a job is a win for some people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I remind my husband of that sometimes when he gets a little overwhelmed by how much he has going on. I remind him, hey, remember, remember when you told me about when like the economy tanked and you were sitting right here at this table wishing your phone would ring? And he's like, yeah, like it's a good reminder you know, to yourself, yeah. it's, it, we have, we set, especially high achievers, we set these really hot, we set the bar really high for ourselves. But remember that the bar is, it doesn't have to be that high for you to be a success. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to just circle back to really quick, <laughs> that phrase. Um, if you can't, if you, so when sometimes you get caught up in, in your head and you have a hard time getting out. And this is when we need like the emergency button that we can press to like, you just can't get out of that cycle, right? That, that negative cycle. One thing that you might actually see uh, high level uh, athletes doing or performers is, is yawning. So we recommend when you're in a negative cycle, just fake a yawn, fake a yawn. Because what it does is it very much shifts you out of that fight or flight into a more calm state. Hmm. So it's a even if you have to just fake it, it's like a psychological. I don't really, I can't really explain hmm. it, but it does work. That and this is a this is an emergency tool to use when you're just like, but I can't, I can't get out. Of, you know, I can't get out of the, the negative cycle, and you don't know what to use. Just remember this. Fake a yawn. Let me know how that works. Fake a yawn. There's so much I want to say to that, but I'm not going to. That would be inappropriate. Um, well, you brought, I was just a giggling to myself and you brought up pussy out of the blue. Like, oh, we better throw some pussy in there real fast. Everyone's favorite topic. Yeah. I mean, you do, you do have to go check out that book. Um, it's, it's, it is a really powerful book for women to okay. read about being in your feminine power um and rachel and i've always preached we're not like these raving crazy not crazy let me take that back i don't want to offend anybody we're not um uh radical when it comes to feminism let's say would that be correct correct also men could read this book too because vaginas are complicated and if you're really trying to figure out how it works there's like diagrams and explanations there 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 we go you know i mean i mean yeah Exactly. Um, but there's a lot of power in it for you as a woman. So yawning. Okay, that's another great takeaway for me. Someone actually told me when I had my um my rescue dog, Tanner, um, and she was just that's a whole nother story. But um I had a trainer trying to help me with her because she was so unruly, um, because she had been abused. But she said whenever you see her yawn, that means she's in a relaxed state and that that she's in a happy you know, she's in a good place if she's yawning. So look for the yawn, right? Even if she's skittish, the yawn is something. So I found that interesting. Mm-hmm. Can um, we got to wrap up. Can people work with you on this mental management stuff? 
Yes, indeed. I am a level three certified coach in mental management. I have studied extensively um, with the creator and founder of mental management. His name is Lanny Basham. Uh, He was an Olympic gold medalist and two-time world champion in his sport. And you can find out about mental management at mentalmanagement.com. And you can find me um, all over social media. I am ultra fit lifestyle is my catchphrase. Your ultra fit lifestyle at Gmail, ultra fit lifestyle on Instagram, ultra fit lifestyle on Facebook, all those things. Um, would love to help you, especially if you have questions about, um, about mental management, but head over to mentalmanagement.com and grab the book with winning in mind. You can use yeah. the code RPITS10 for a little off. Um, but it's a really great book, but it does take a little guidance to master some of the more advanced techniques. Awesome. Awesome. All right, listeners, check that out. I think that would be super helpful for anybody, no matter whether it's business or personal. Um, reach out to Rachel for mental management. And of course, Rachel will be back sometime soon on this season of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, kind of just a new rendition of what we're doing, having our favorite co-hosts and past guests come back um, and rotate in and out, which I think is super cool. Uh, Rachel, thank you as always, my good friend, for being here on this episode. Can't wait to see what we're going to talk about next time. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Marco Polo coming soon. All right, Warners, we are out of here. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, go to womenyourmotherwarnsyoubout.com. Uh, also check out salesgravy.com and salesgravy.university to uplevel your sales game. We'll see you next time. Bye, Warners. Bye, Warners. <laughs>